0: Monday, September 17, 2018, welcome to the ZadeCast, thank you for downloading and you are looking live at my hotel room at the fabulous New York, New York Hotel and Casino in the tender aftermath of the Packers' brutal 29-29 tie with the hated Minnesota Vikings. A fucking tie. There is so much to unpack and so much to digest from this game. And of course, I'll get into the Redskins' debacle at home before a very sparse crowd at FedEx Field in just a bit. Plus, Canelo, Triple G, some Vegas thoughts, I have a rant on blackjack that I need to get off my chest, and a bunch of other stuff. So, thank you for downloading, and I apologize if this today's podcast is not as full-fledged perhaps with as much production, bells and whistles, with as much quality audio uh, as you normally get. I'm, I'm knocking this out before I get on an 11 p.m. red-eye that stops in Chicago and then gets back to D.C. at about 9.45. I'm already dreading that flight. I did book an extra night here at my own expense, at no cost to the league, at the New York, New York, so I could stay in my hotel room until at least 9 o'clock, I'm thinking, uh, before I go to the uh, airport, but man, these red eyes are brutal. And a red eye connection, Chicago. <laughs> now, I know there was some talk on Twitter. People were wondering, so I, I asked the question early in the day I said, Will I be able to watch the Redskin game on my iPad through my Sunday ticket app? And of course, I knew there was somebody who was going to say this. There's going to be one Joker. One guy saying, oh, you know, you're in Vegas. I'm sure there's a TV you can find. It. Fuck you. Don't you get it? I need to watch this game as if I'm covering it, as if I'm media, taking notes, tweeting shit, listening to the announcers. <sighs> I should have. I, I, I feel bad. though. I knew somebody was going to say that. I should have gone a little bit easier on them. And I, I kind of did on Twitter. Somebody else said, oh, I thought the whole point of going to Vegas was to enjoy football, the sports book. Because you said you've never done that, and now you're not at the sports book, and you know what? That person is right. I am now thinking, in retrospect, this was not what I thought it would be. This is mainly because I'm out here by myself. Scott went home. Uh, there was nobody else from our station. There's a few media members I know that were here for the Triple G fight. A lot of them have gone home, but I just don't. I don't have my crew with me, and. If you're out here watching football with a group of guys, even just a couple of guys, and you've got a spot, like okay, we've got a spot, we've reserved a table at whatever sports book, then it's one thing. And also if you're not necessarily media, you're not expected to have analysis and stuff about the game, something cogent to say and have seen the game, etc., uh the next morning. Then yeah, I'm sure it's fun as hell and if you're betting a million games and the I mean, I'm sure the sports book that I was not at for the one o'clock games was fucking bonkers at the end, especially with what happened in the Browns game and especially with what happened in the Packer Viking game. But I was not there because I didn't know where I could reliably go to watch the Redskin game on a decent sized TV and to maybe have a place where I could sit down and maybe a place where I could sit down so that when I got up and went to go take a piss, I didn't lose my seat because remember, I'm a lone wolf loser out here, not with my wolf pack of guys. So it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But I was perfectly happy watching the game right here in my hotel room on my Sunday ticket, on my Direct TV, or my on my iPad using DirecTV. I, I was happy as a pig and shit. I was sitting at the desk in my perfectly air-conditioned room and my underwear and my shirt and Drinking my Diet Coke and just sipping and snacking. And I had a couple things going. I had my phone on that had the Packer game on it. I used, get this, who knew? I'm a Verizon customer. If you download the NFL mobile app, guess what? You can watch games streamed live out of your market for free on your phone can't sling it to your TV, I don't believe, and you can't watch it on anything other than a phone. So in other words, I don't think NFL Mobile, even if you are a Verizon customer with an iPad that does have cellular Verizon, I don't think they let you do that on, a, on an iPad. Yeah, I, that's how convoluted all this shit is. Nobody knows, you know, well, and, and I, the question I posed, just jumping around here, was, am I going to get the game here? Or is it going to say this is blacked out in your area because we have you on record as living here, and so therefore we're just going to say you don't get the game? Well, it turns out that as long as your location services are on for your DirecTV or your Sunday ticket app, it knows, hey, this guy who's from Washington is in Nevada, and he paid for the Sunday ticket, and so therefore he should be able to watch his home game because it's not on in the local market. So I did get a watch of the Redskin game, which is the least that you should get for 400 fucking dollars a year. But anyway, all right, so let's, uh, let's talk about this Packer game. It is just, of course, everyone's going to talk about the bullshit call on Clay Matthews. Grabbing Kirk Cousins by the belly with an arm and then tackling him within one microsecond of the ball being released. And not even landing on him, like Anthony Barr did last year to Aaron Rodgers, but tackling him, basically. And Tony Correnti, who I'm sure is a fine man, I believe he's a cancer survivor as well, just sat there and fucking gave the game away by pulling out his flag. Mm, that looks like a penalty. And it's too bad, because guys like Correnti and other referees, they're, they're graded every week. They're, they're graded by the league and they get merits and demerits, and their career hinges on this shit. And so when the league says, you better call this, these guys are terrified into calling it. The basic judgment call of roughing the passer should remain a judgment call. The league is trying to codify, or codify, I don't know how they pronounce it, every single play that is on the football field. And when you try to codify it and put it into language and writing. The defender, If the defender lands on the quarterback with most or all of his weight, well, what's most and what is all, and who can make that judgment in real time? It's just absurd. A personal foul is a personal foul. Unnecessary roughness is unnecessary roughness. You know it when you see it. And sometimes refs are a little bit more lenient. Sometimes they're a little bit stricter. But the way it used to be... Before all these fucking rules have ruined the the NFL as we know it, referees just made a judgment call. And you live with it. And it was a lot better that way. This, this is so bad now. It is just, and of course the unthinkable happened, not the unthinkable, the very predictable happened, which is, and I said this back as when the first preseason games rolled out. I said, a game will be decided on one of these horseshit calls. And that's what happened here because the game was over, because Cousin threw a pick. And that was on Cousins, although he probably didn't get as much oomph on it because he was getting hit at the time, but that, that pick's on Cousins. The pick before, to tread, that went on, the, on the slant to Treadwell, that's not on Cousins. But anyway, the problem here, and this is what is so frustrating, the NFL has introduced this poisonous, utterly detested new wrinkle to their product, and some will argue. And I sense some of these announcers. I believe Charles Davis was being a good league guy by saying, "You oh, know, they're gonna they're gonna get this sorted out." I know I know people don't like the rule, but they're gonna get fuck you. Shut up. Stop kissing the league's ass. They, no one wants to say, "Well, you know, it was bad in this game." You know, Packers end up with a tie against the Vikings. Let's say they had lost. Let's say that dumb Gork Carlson with his nine-foot-long neck, didn't miss two field goals late. If they had lost, no Packer fan is going to be reassured that, oh, they'll get this they'll get this sorted out. Don't worry. Don't worry. They, they're, they're, it's a new rule. They're working on it. No. People invest their lives and they live and die with every fucking game. That's what these announcers don't understand sometimes because they're getting paid to do the games. And so... Well, they don't care who wins or loses. They're not fans. They're not the customers, really. So it'd be like someone at Starbucks saying, yeah, I know, you're, you're a triple uh, cafe, cafe, latte. Can you tell you don't go to Starbucks? Yeah, you big coffee. It's taking a little longer. But don't worry. We'll get it. Just relax. Just go sit down. We'll get it. Hey, no. Gotta move. You know, the announcers are the ones behind the counter. We, the customers, uh, are the fans. And they... The league has lost sight of it. The announcers have lost sight of it. Speaking of Starbucks, so I guess the analogy would be this. So let's say Starbucks introduced something that was insanely unpopular, was just a small little thing that didn't come up all the time. But let's say it came up every now and then. Like let's say, for example, let's say that one out of every 100 customers at Starbucks when they go to pay for their order, are randomly selected for a brief three-minute survey, where literally to get their coffee, they are escorted into a side room and have to answer questions for three minutes. How bad would that hurt Starbucks as a company? That's, That's the analogy I'd make with this rule. I mean, Starbucks would say, like if they were the NFL, well, it's only one in a hundred customers, and it's going to improve our user experience. That's also the excuse the NFL is using. Well, it's for safety, okay? You gotta get back to focusing on what is acceptable to the customer. This rule is unacceptable. And if Starbucks were to do that, we' at one out of every 100 people and you'd be thinking, God, I, I gotta get on it, I gotta get in, gotta get my Starbucks, I gotta get to this fucking meeting. I hope I'm not one of the 100 that gets pulled aside for the mandatory three-minute customer survey. Or what if it happened to you multiple times? I'm sure people that go to Starbucks often enough would be like, this is my third one in a week. What the fuck? You wouldn't go to Starbucks anymore. Now, there are other places to get coffee. That's the good news. The bad news is Starbucks is kind of a monopoly, kind of like the NFL. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know. And I know there's other sort of chi-chi, floofy, high-end coffee chains out there that um, are rivals to Starbucks. But they must have a tiny market share comparatively. They must have a fraction of the stores. And so at least Starbucks would feel an immediate pinch. And Starbucks would not be able to maintain this policy for more than a week at most because they would get pummeled. People would go and get their coffee somewhere else. Guess what? The NFL has no other coffee shops that we can go to. None. They are a monopoly. And what's unfortunate for us is that there's no way we can punish There's no way we can punish the NFL to make them, you know, to back off from this. We people talk all the time about, "Oh, you know, I'm not going to watch. I'm not watching. I won't watch." That we don't have enough power collectively as fans. We just don't. To really hurt the NFL. And where are we going to go? And the other thing that is just, I hate it so much, is the fact that, hey, even though that call was horseshit, the game was very exciting after the call. It had you with a knot in your stomach, and you were at the edge of your seat, and it's like crack cocaine. You're like... even though you hated it as a fan, especially if you're a Packer fan, and I'm sure you hated it as a Viking fan because, well, the Vikings lost. Or they didn't lose. Feels like a loss. That, where are we going to go? Everything else is still too good. It's still too exciting with this league to really punish the NFL. I don't know what can be done. I don't know what should be done. I don't know if there'll be any way to get the NFL to back off. But it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Quick note on Aaron Rodgers. He is unbelievable. The fact that he moved around so well with a giant brace on that knee after basically being touch-and-go all week, not practicing until Saturday, is amazing. I don't know anything about ACLs or MCLs or whatever L he's got hurt. I don't know the nature of it. haven't seen the x-rays, haven't seen the MRIs. Like, if I did, I wouldn't know. But my previous thought was, well, this is crazy. They're just going to, what, have him mispractice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday every week and then limp his way from week two to week 17? How's that? What, what's the plan here? Well, after seeing Rodgers do that, I'm guessing the plan is, yeah, just go ahead and keep going down this road. And hopefully he'll make it all the way through the end of the season on a partially torn knee with a giant knee brace and playing the kind of football he can play because he is sick. And when it comes to Kirk Cousins, he's pretty, pretty good himself. I think he finished the game, I do the stats in front of me. As I said, this is just minutes after the game concluded. 400 and some odd yards, four touchdowns, and the drive that tied the game and the two-point conversion on the fade to Stefan Diggs. Look, the, the, P, the penalty on Matthews was complete luck. The touchdown to Thielen was kind of, yeah, it was lucky, sure. He dropped it in there. But that's what great quarterbacks do. And I'm not saying he's great, but that's what you have to do in this league. You have to throw guys open, you have to throw into windows, you have to take chances. DBs drop shit all the time anyway. So it was a little bit lucky, kind of floated in there. But to hit the two-point conversion, man, that is a high-pressure play. Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback. I think that was demonstrated again today. He knows where to go with the ball. He knows how to get it there quick. He's got sufficient arm talent. And he's tough. And he's smart. And I think he's going to be worth the money for the Vikings. That fucking kicker, though, has got to go. Holy shit. I think, that the, I think the Vikings have the worst history with field goals of any team in the NFL. And I know people say, what about Buffalo? Buffalo had one. Norwood missed one kick. And it was a big one. It was to win the Super Bowl. But that's one kick. The Vikings had the Gary Anderson miss that kept him out of the Super Bowl, at home in a dome, which is unthinkable. They had the uh the Blair Walsh miss at home, uh, to keep them from advancing to what was the NFC championship game, which would have been, if I'm not mistaken, at home. And that was a flat out chip shot there. And this one is not as high as stakes because it's regular season week two, but man, against the hated Packers, they've had they had two misses. Two misses. And they have had kicking troubles. Uh, For quite a while now. Ever since, who was their last good kicker in Minnesota? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Either way, that kid's, you got to get a new kicker. Bring Dan Bailey in and say, okay, let's call it a day. Let's move to the Redskins real quick. Um, Yeah, what a horseshit game that was. Of course, of course, of course it was. I mean, this is what the Redskins do. They can't stand prosperity. You know, on Friday, they, they three of the offensive linemen wore, wore dress shirts, you know, button-up collared dress shirts under their pads on Friday because it was business Friday. Well, this team came out and laid a complete turd against the Colts. Three field goals, uh, no real deep penetrating drives, uh, couldn't convert what it mattered most uh, inside, not quite inside the red zone, but as they approach the red zone, Hopkins missed a field goal. I mean, he misses. He's a misser. Uh, you know, it seems like when you really need one, like at the end of the half for some momentum, miss. Uh, the wide receiver catch numbers are abysmal again. Uh, there was some padding in the state stats late. You, like this game, when you're looking at it, when you're trying to look at, you know, the Alex Smith numbers, you're gonna have to peel out the last eight minutes of the game because there was a ton of stat padding in there. But no, the, the wide receivers the Redskins are currently sporting are not good. And this was a concern of mine. And Doxon had an alligator alligator arm drop. Uh, he had what could have been a spectacular catch in the corner of the end zone on a fade. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault him for that. I thought that was a breakup. Richardson had a pass that some would say he should have caught it. I'm gonna count that as a breakup as well. And this is where I differ from a lot of football fans. A lot of football fans think if you get both hands on the ball as a pro wide receiver, that you have to catch that. And that's what Archuleta said. you got to come down with that ball. That, I fundamentally disagree with that. There are breakups in the NFL on bang-bang plays in which you can have both hands on it, and a guy comes in and punches his fist through, and he breaks the, the, the pass up. No one's going to catch every single one of those. There are things called breakups. So, I think both those plays are breakups. I think Doxson maybe could have had it. He might have been out of bounds by the time he corralled it. I'm calling that a breakup as well. But is he a dynamic, true number one, like a Stephon Diggs? No. Is Doxson as good as T.Y. Hilton? No. And Adrian Peterson basically did shit all day until he had about a 12-yard run in the fourth quarter. Uh, that put him like nine carries for, I think the number was, 19 yards. Nine for 19 after he busted off a 12-yarder after a nice jump cut. And I'm thinking, okay, that was for 12, so that would have been like... like he, had, he had like nine carries for eight yards at some point. And a lot of negative plays as well. And I figured this is going to be the profile on Peterson, kind of like the profile was on him last year, where he'd have a bomb game and then a shit game. And then a decent game and then two more shit games. And then a really good game and then another game where you're like, did he even play in this game? Probably not a long-term solution. Uh, for the Redskins at running back, but we knew that already, right? We knew he was not a long-term solution. The crowd at FedEx Field was horrible. Wow. And there's a couple things to this that I guess should be noted. Number one, during during the week, uh, myself and a lot of people were saying, and it, you know, may not be a sellout this week, and with the weather being what it was, you know, and a rain game, you know, we take for granted these weather forecasts way too much. And so sure enough, by the time Sunday came, holy shit, it looked like the nicest day we've had in D.C. in over a week. So maybe some fans didn't buy tickets because they thought for sure it was going to rain. But let's be honest, there just is incredibly tepid enthusiasm for this team and this franchise. It is literally the, the picture of those stands and how empty they were and The fact that they were empty with a disfigured stadium that has the top level of the upper deck cut off and another part of it tarped off. It's so heartbreaking as a Redskin fan to see it this way because once upon a time, Redskin fans would pay good money to sit way up in the Himalayas and pay money and root for this team. And that was 15, 20 years ago, 18 years ago, maybe early 2000s. No longer. This team is in a death struggle to reconnect with the fans of DC to find a way to make it work. And you know, there's a big push this week by their PR guys, or by the, the the league's new, or by by the NFL, by the Redskins' new business people, Brian LaFamina and this guy Steve Ziff, did a ton of interviews talking about we're in we're improving the game day experience we're doing this more pyrotechnics we're introducing the players individually we're not going to run commercials during the game itself and on and on and on and i say that's good these are all good first steps but these are band-aids on an axe wound at this point point. and so it's going to take quality football and winning football over the course of two three four seasons to get the fans wanting to come back. I noticed where, and a lot of people were tweeting pictures of how empty the stands were, a lot of people were, um, you know, tweeting these pictures, and I'm zooming in on the club section, and I'm like, holy shit, the club section looks sparse as it is, but it would look even sparser if some of the seats didn't have what looked like to me that there was someone painted red on those yellow seats to make it look like, hey, there's a Redskin fan there wearing red. Sitting in the seat. Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, it's not painted red. I've been told that those are uh, padded seats that club holders or suite level, not suite, but, you know, uh, what would that be? Club level, yeah. Club level seat owners could buy those pads to make it easier, softer on your tush to sit and watch bad Redskins football at a price. Of course, there's always a price. Cha ching, cha ching a couple hundred dollars, and those padded seats stay there. There was so many padded seats that were empty. I'm thinking to myself, so let's see. These uh, club-level owners paid for the padding and yet still didn't want to go to the game on what was a gorgeous, beautiful, sunshiny first game of the season at FedEx Field with a team that is coming off a one that is coming off a huge win in Arizona, a one and team, where hope should be springing eternal. Wow, that's devastating. This is this is what a broken toy looks like. This is Dan Snyder, supposedly a marketing genius, with a broken toy called an NFL franchise. He's broken it. We're eighteen years in. We're twenty years in, basically, of this. Well, I guess he took over in uh, late two thousand eight. I'm not sure when the 20th anniversary of Dan Snyder owning the team is going to come. I can assure you there's not going to be a a uniform patch for that. I mean, maybe there will be, but oh no, they better not attempt that. No one's going to celebrate it. But here's a guy that, you know, supposedly genius marketer, and 18, 19 years into his ownership, he had to bring in LaFamina from the league office, This guy, Ziff, who came from the Rams, and they're doing a lot of things differently. They're trying to put lipstick on a pig to fix what he has broken after 18 years. Oof. And the team just played like shit, so what are you going to do? All right, let me get some other NFL games here, and it'll be incomplete because the four o'clock's are going on right now. Um, Just some other quick notes, and it, it always takes me until the next day to watch all the highlights. Look at all the stats, read the recaps to get the full picture. So these are cursory recaps of the games from the things that I had seen. Atlanta beat Carolina 31-24. One of the big plays in that game was Cam Newton getting his bell rung on a sliding head-first hit, which was properly called uh, an ejection uh, on the Falcons player, and that's going to be talked about uh, for some days to come here. Uh, But Atlanta beats uh, the Panthers 31-24. Chargers route the Buffalo Bills as expected, 31-20. to 20. I love how, you know, first home game for the Bills, and there was a word, I guess the police there said, they'd be arresting fans who did table slams. You know, Bills Mafia, this is their thing. Or if they didn't say they'd be arresting them, maybe the Bills said we would revoke tickets or something. There was more table slamming I saw on social media from Bills Mafia than probably ever before. And it's, I guess, just their thing. <laughs> it's the darndest thing. Houston, losers at Tennessee to Blaine Gabbard. Marcus Mariota did not start because of an ulnar nerve issue in his throwing hand. He got popped on his elbow. The nerve got damaged. He didn't have the right strength, enough strength to throw the football. Gabbard starts. They're without both offensive tackles. I thought this was the lock of the century. Uh, to play Houston minus three, and of course they lost. They also did a sweet trick play in that game. Tennessee did on a fake punt. Uh, New Orleans escapes Cleveland. The fridges stay locked. No Bud Light for you, Cleveland. After Cleveland led this game pretty much throughout, and after they had it in control, and even after Drew Brees came back to, uh, I guess, tie the game, Cleveland scores a bomb touchdown over the top. Beautiful play by Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor also made a horrible pass apparently. I saw it on Twitter. I haven't seen the play yet. Uh, Bomb from Tyrod Taylor for a touchdown. Missed the extra point. That's another rule, by the way, I don't care for. This 33-yard extra point sucks balls. Who who likes this? Oh, it, it adds some uncertainty to the game. I don't think there should be that much uncertainty to the game. Either way, It allowed uh, New Orleans to come back and win the game on a uh, last second field goal. Dagger. The Miami Dolphins once again reminded Jets fans, okay, slow the fuck down. You won one game in which Matt Stafford was terrible. This is the game I should have loaded up on. My reasoning for why I liked the Jets was, or why I liked Miami was, because the Jets. And it didn't take any more sophisticated reasoning or statistical analysis than that. And did you see where Fireman Ed, who famously resigned as the team's unofficial mascot for the Jets, came back for this game? He said he quit in 2012 because of the abuse he was getting from people randomly on the street. I don't know why they'd be abusing him, but he said it, it just wasn't worth it. Of course, this was after the butt fumble game as well. I don't want to call Fireman Ed a quitter. I don't want to call him a front runner, but it kind of seemed that way. And for him to come back after one win for their first home game seems very front ish Either way, Miami beat him 20-12. to 12. Kansas City holds off Pittsburgh 42-37 in a game that wasn't quite that close. Patrick Mahomes has arrived. Six touchdown passes, and the Steelers' defense in their secondary is every bit the garbage it looked like when we last left them in the playoffs last year against Jacksonville. Uh, Pittsburgh, we have big time problems defensively, and Mahomes is great. I mean, Andy Reid and the Chiefs are—you know—they are smiling right now, like we told you, we told you this kid. And I had no idea; it came from the Big Twelve. They—they they moved up. They reached to get him. How, how, how could we tell he'd be any good? Well, in this case, the talent evaluators seemingly got it right on Patrick Mahomes. The guy looks like a stud. However, the 10 touchdowns in two weeks, which he has now thrown, let me say this emphatically, that is not a record. I don't want to hear, oh, it's a record. Record for most touchdowns in the first two weeks of the season. Eh, Not a record. It's a mark, but not a record. A record is something that is widely agreed upon. It's not a tiny subset of games. First two, middle five, last three. These are not records, people. These are marks. He's off to the hottest start, touchdown-wise, as a mark in the NFL. Looks really good. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell, hmm, what do you do now? You have flushed $1.5 million. The Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-1-1. What do you do? Tampa over Philly, 27-21, as Ryan Fitzpatrick shines again. Deshaun Jackson is the fastest. Maybe Tyreek Hill is. But man, Deshaun Jackson seems to run like the wind and he catches everything. He is like one of those Jack Russell Terriers that can catch a frisbee 70 yards down, down range. So I know I've said on record, I'm like, stop saying this shit like uh, Jameis Winston's not going to get his job back. Well, I'm about to shut my mouth on that. I was figuring that, you know, Fitzmagic would correct himself and return to the norm here pretty quickly. Hasn't happened after two games. Uh, Eagles get blown out. That's always good to see. But of course, you know, my Redskins laid an egg, so I'm not going to not gonna gloat very much on that front. Uh, the other 1 o'clock game I didn't get to, uh, that's pretty much it. And I got, uh, you know, Colts beat the Redskins. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers come to town next, and then it's on the bye week. So, yay, yay, yay. All right, let me rapid fire through some other stuff from the weekend here, and I'll try to keep it to about a minute or two on each. So the weather channel yeah yeah how's their weekend going the mike seidel viral video of him bracing and hamming it up and oh i tell you it's really bad out here with the two guys the two utes just sauntering by in the background with shorts on of all things They got shorts and like hooded sweatshirts that don't even look waterproof and here's Mike Seidel in his full-out gear, with his big Weather Channel parka, pretending to brace, and, you know, oh, it's really bad out here. This, this is bad. It's bad for the Weather Channel. And they made it worse with their tweet about, it should be noted, that the people in the background are walking on pavement, and Mike is on grass, and he's tired from working a long shift. Uh, re- really? Really. You're going to go with that. Get the fuck out of here on that. And then, of course, I saw some other meteorologists saying, just for the record, when I worked at the Weather Channel, I was never advised or told by anyone to exaggerate weather conditions for the sake of television. Okay, well, what does that prove exactly? I think it just shows that, well, first of all, it just deepens many people's mistrust of the media, because if the Weather Channel feels compelled to fucking flop for hurricane coverage, because this is a flop is what it was. It was like LeBron James over-exaggerating, selling a call. Like, if you feel like you have to do that, then what else will you fudge on? What else will you lie about? What other shit do you say, well, the public doesn't need to know this? And it's the Weather Channel. You know, it's something insignificant. You'd think that if the the winds were not that bad. I think I saw, a, I think I saw one of the screen caps in which they showed Wind, you know, wind, 30 miles per hour, when Seidel was doing his update. And I'm like, shit, man, I've played golf in 30 mile an hour weather. You're not sitting there bracing, feeling like you're gonna fall down, it's windy. Score's gonna go up. It's just not enough to stand there and go, okay, you know what, the winds are not terrible here, but here's what's going on. We got a storm surge that's flooded a good part of the city here. This river's about to overflow. We've got a tree that's down on a car here and blah, 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 blah. Mike Seidel is a faker. And the Weather Channel should be embarrassed. It's done a huge hit to their credibility. It now makes me wonder what other shit have they faked in years past. Just saying. Bad luck. Let's talk blackjack for a second. I said on Friday's show with Scott, I said, that's it, I'm retired. I announced my retirement from blackjack after a particularly bad stretch of hands that I witnessed from the dealer at New York, New York. So Saturday comes, and what do I do? I conveniently forget my retirement. No, I don't forget my retirement. I'm well aware of it. But like Brett Favre, I say, nah, I can't be retired. I'm coming back. And I play more blackjack. And I continue to see the most unhittable Mariano Rivera in his prime blackjack dealing from multiple Dealers at multiple tables with m- multiple different sets of rules in multiple different casinos, and I'm like, okay, I know the odds on blackjack or whatever the odds are. The house edge is what it is whatever the house edge is, but I'm telling, and I'm not, I'm not playing stupidly. I did see a guy play stupidly. I saw a guy at the Cosmo call for a double down after he split a pair of twos. Get this. Splits twos against, I think, a seven showing. Not a dominant. No, it might have been a nine showing. Dealer's got a strong hand showing. A nine. This guy gets twos. He splits them. He draws a ten, and I forget what else on the other hand. On the 12, on one of the split hands, he doubles down against a nine. The dealer had to stop and call for the pit boss. And it stopped the game for like a minute. Pit boss wanders over. This guy had a minute to rethink this horrible decision. It was a young kid, young guy, 20-something-year-old dude with his dude bros. And I'm just sitting there at third base going, okay, whatever. Of course, he fucking lost that hand or whatever. It's stupid. <laughs> but I'm not playing stupid blackjack. I'm playing your basic, solid strategy. Like the buy-the-book strategy. I'm telling you, everywhere I go, every table I sit down, I can't start out up at all. I didn't start out up two, three hands from what I sat down at any point at any table I sat down at. It was unbelievable. And and the hands the dealers are putting together. So I'm serious I'm serious now. That's it. I'm fucking done with blackjack. In fact, I thought about this. I'm like, why don't I play more craps? Well, you know, because you gotta kinda get your chips and you gotta find a place and you're standing there and da-da-da-da-da. It dawned on me, and I'm going to see if this phrase gets any traction. If they made you stand to play blackjack, nobody would fucking play. Okay? Just think about that one. Am I wrong about that? I don't think I'm wrong about that. The Triple G Canelo fight. It was a great fight. I think we can all agree on that. There was some great action. Or as the Turtle Man would say, la-la-la-la-la, live action. I thought, there's no way that Triple G won the fight. Many other people agreed with me that he was robbed. We was robbed, WUZ. Other people said, "Nah, you know, you got to count all the rounds. The early rounds, a lot of those rounds Canelo racked them up because he was the aggressor, kept moving forward, landed better punches, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Maybe you're right. You know, there's a lot of posturing when it comes to boxing about. You don't know you don't know what you're talking about. I freely admit I don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know what I'm looking at, because I don't watch a lot of boxing. And when I was doing my round-by-round scoring on Twitter on Saturday night, I was joking, saying, this will be wildly inaccurate, I'm just going to do my best here. Well it turns out, like through the first six rounds, I was exactly the same as Harold Letterman, the expert HBO has, the supposed expert. And then at one point, three rounds later, Harold Letterman says, with a laugh, he goes, I don't know. I don't know what I'm seeing here. I I have a hard time figuring this out. Kellerman seemed to be on the other side as Lampley. Roy Jones, I couldn't decipher where he was. Lampley's talking about... And by the way, Lampley is great. I love Jimmy Lampley on boxing matches. He's just so good. You know, Lampley's talking about how, you know, sometimes a boxer will win the story of the fight, but will actually lose more rounds than will lose the fight that the story, the narrative of the fight is different from actually scoring the fight. But it's boxing, man. It's shady. That's why they call boxing the fight game. They don't call it organized professional boxing. The fight game is the fight game because it's a game uh, to make a lot of money. And another Triple G, Canelo Alvarez fight will make a lot of money. And by golly, I hope they bring me back here When this happens, maybe in the spring, maybe next year, same time, who knows? I'd love to see it. I'd love to come out for it. But there are, literally these are hundreds of millions of dollars riding on the outcome of judges. And other than having two guys box until somebody collapses, which is uncivilized, you are not going to be able to avoid using judges. And anyone that says, well, any sport that uses judges is not a real sport. Eh, bullshit. Bullshit. You know, it just, they're, they're, and I've gone over this with my friend Lovey Tom Lavera one of the most respected boxing writers that I have ever known, and I said, why don't they show the scoring live? Because the judges have to score the, you know, the bout live when it's going on. Hold on a second. Yeah, uh, I'm good, actually. Thank you very much. No room service today. No, I'm good on towels. Yep, thank you. Okay, take care. Okay, that's the first. You have now heard live room service interruption on my podcast. <laughs> like when my wife calls in. <laughs> hello, hello, sir. Can I get hooker removal? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm done with them here. Just drag them out. That's a joke, people. Jesus. Where was I? Yeah, so, you know... Lobby said he thought Canelo probably won this fight by an edge. Others said to me, "Hey, if you watch the first bout, that Triple G got super robbed compared to this fight." Everyone has their opinions. I, I don't think my opinion is necessarily any worse. It just has no credibility because I'm not, you know, I'm not in boxing. I, I don't have any boxing credibility. I could actually be dead on, nuts on, right about. My opinion regarding this fight. It just it doesn't carry any weight because, you know, I'm a Johnny Casual fan. Okay, what else? What else? What else? Blackjack Weather Channel, Triple G fight. Uh, oh, Fade Murray. Timmy Murray, thank you very much, young man. I faded the shit out of every one of Tim Murray's picks. He writes a column, I believe, for NBC Sports Washington, his college picks, and he likes to brag on Twitter come get rich, everybody. So I just, I had Scott read me every single pick, and I just faded every one. Faded, 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 faded. Final tally, 8-4. and four. Well, Murray went 4-8. and eight. I went 8-4. and four. For how much money? Oh, 10 bucks a game, 20 on some. You pussy. Bet more money. Laz Diaz, when is Major League Baseball going to fire this guy? Like, I know that umpires have to have total control of games, but yelling at Bryce Harper in center field just because he didn't like his expressions or his body language and it's not like this is a new thing with Laz Diaz Laz Diaz has these you know episodes with players and has had them over the years it's ridiculous so I don't know what Major League Baseball is gonna do you would think that they would get control of their umpires luckily it's a game that really doesn't matter at this point but it's still stupid also did you see the sweat pouring off of Max Scherzer's cap in that game. If you didn't, try to go find it on the internet. It was crazy. It was not raining. I think it was just extraordinarily humid and very warm in Atlanta. And Max does sweat a lot. And you could see it. That Like, the water was just blip, 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 the water. The sweat was dripping like it was water, as if he was standing in a shower. Had to go change his hat out because he was that soaked. I bring this up for one point. I played golf on Saturday in the middle of the day, 1230, teed off at Bally High. It was 100 degrees out here in Arizona, or out here, excuse me, that's my Freudian slip. It was 100 degrees out here in Nevada, in, in Las Vegas. It was windy, so I guess that helped as well, but I'm telling you, 100 degree weather didn't feel bad at all. and I. Barely sweated, and I kept my glove on my hand when I normally take it off. When I, you know, when I'm putting or chipping around the green, didn't even take it off. Off, dad, take it off. I didn't even take it off because it wasn't wet. This is why I'm moving to Arizona. Period. End of story. Because if it's 82 degrees but humid back home, back east. In Atlanta, or whatever the temperature was, and it might have been a lot hotter than that. Who knows? You're miserable. You're soaked. you got chafing going on. Oh, and there's bugs, too. No bugs out here. Didn't have a single bug even approach me in my round at Bally High. Good news about Bally High. It is not going under. I talked to the good folks there, the staff. They said that the Raiders deal to build the parking lot for the stadium on their property. Gone, kaput, done. They're staying a golf course. Yes! So the hope for Lamar Classic. Which will be held at Zabe Vegas in March. Yes, Zabe Vegas is staying in March. I've had a change of heart. I said last year, I go, I think I'm going to move this to football season. No, I'm going to keep it in March. I need that trip out here to pull me through the winter because I look forward to it so much. And yes, I will have a little, I'm going to get a couple of tea times out there. If you want to play golf with us out at uh, Valley High, you'll have to let us know. I don't, I don't know if I have a lot of spots for people, but. I'm working on a Zave Vegas promotion. I talked to Scott Gertner, the PR director out here, marketing director out at MGM Grand. He's on it. We're going to get a spot. We're going to get a package. And I've got a cool idea, which I think will work fine, where I want to do a little miniature basketball shooting contest where I set up a hoop in whatever space we're watching the games in, and I create a bracket on a poster of everyone who's there. So let's say we get 64 people that sign up to come to Zave Vegas. And on Thursday, we put the bracket together. Guys, girls, you name it, just a random bracket. And then you shoot three shots with a little rubber basketball at a little mini hoop from about 8, 10 feet or whatever it is. And then if you beat the person you beat on three little shots, you advance. And we just play the bracket out that way. And hopefully I can get a nice prize. I'm thinking like a $500 gift certificate to somewhere or a big screen TV like a well, 500 bucks would get you like a 50 inch TV. Be fun, right? Something to do or watching the games. So, anyway, there's that. All right. That should do it for me today. Uh, uh, college football. Let's see. The Big Ten lost seven. Here's your stat of the day. The Big Ten lost seven non conference games on a single day. It is the most since. Uh, Seven Big Ten, seven, I think it was seven ranked Big Ten teams, whatever the stat is. No, maybe just seven Big Ten teams. Seven Big Ten teams lost non-conference home games for the first time since they started keeping rankings in 1925 or something like that. Brutal day for the Pac-10. Bad day for Nebraska and Scott Frost lost to Troy at home. I like Scott Frost. I think he's a good coach. But this is fucking karma. For insisting that you were national champions last year at Central Florida. Knock it off. That's the karma god saying, zip it. Nobody wants to hear it. Stop it. And Willie Taggart, holy shit. I Nice fella, I'm sure. But man, oh man, they go up to Syracuse and they lay a complete and utter dud. So, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with Florida State, but this Willie Taggart era... Dead on arrival. All right. That's going to do it for me. I apologize for the makeshift. Interrupted by housekeeping. Zabecast for a Monday morning. Uh, and you're going to be hearing this Monday morning, the 17th. I'm on a red eye. Pray that my flight goes well. And I will be back on Monday, back in studio, back at home, ready to rock, ready to sort out, are the Redskins really as bad as they looked against the Colts, or are they an average of looking great against Arizona and shitty against the Colts, and I'm sure more repercussions, aftershocks of the stupid tie, 29-29, another thing that most people don't accept. Uh, And this is also, okay, I was wrapping the show up, i got to add one more thing. The NFL is the only major sport in America that still has ties, college or pro. Every sport, baseball will play a a otherwise, I don't want to say meaningless, but they'll play one out of 162 to exhaustion, to 18, 19, 20 innings until four in the morning instead of accept a tie. They will have teams burn through their pitching staffs because they don't believe in ties. The NHL finally, got rid of ties. And it's a glorious thing. College football said finally, we're not going to have ties. Not only has the NFL still stubbornly accepted a tie as an acceptable outcome, which nobody does, no fan does, they've actually induced more ties by shortening the overtime and by monkeying with the rules so that it induces more ties. I'm not yelling, am I? I'm yelling, right? Okay. This is completely unacceptable. This is, we live in an outcome based society, all of us. You win, you lose, you get the job, you don't get the job, you get the account, you don't get the account. Your homework's done on time or it's not done on time. This is the world as we live in. Sports should reflect that. Every other sport does. There's no fucking ties. And then the NFL has ties. And now it's like Monty Burns when Homer complains about the one apple in the vending machine. Oh, yes, Homer. I'll put more apples. It'll be all apples in the vending machine. And we can't punish the NFL for doing it. All right. I've got to... What do I got to do? I got to go play some blackjack. No, wait. Don't have to do that. I'll play some craps. got to go down to the sports book, make a few more bets, halftime bets in the 4 o'clock games, make a bet on the seven. Uh, the you know NBC game at night. Uh, I've got to... Get a slice of pizza, because pizza is great in the sports book. Got to walk around a little bit more. I Got to get a gift for uh, my daughter on the way home. She insisted on it. I got to get a nap before this stupid red eye. Uh, Probably do some other work as well. I don't know. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your Monday morning. We're back in studio. As always, recommend the podcast to a friend. If you can, subscribe, download feedback always welcome. Zabe at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.